Greetings, fellow Slingers, and welcome back to the show. As you can tell by the title, this is the start of a new season, season 14. Yeah, drink it in. I know you've all been hearing me go on about this next scenario for quite some time, and well, here it is. I bring before your ears Lot 27. But before we begin, we got the business first. The first shout out goes to Henry Anderson, who's been waiting for this. His last comment says he's looking forward to the next scenario and hoping for a homebrew or a homebrew twist. Yeah, got both here, Henry, and thanks for listening. Next, from good friend of the show, Balint. He commented how he loves our aftermath scenes, and he's talking about the epilogues, and that he's looking forward to the next mission, and that starts now. Please be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel at World Hard 20. Leave us a comment so I could give you guys a shout out too. Now, Let's warm up our dice and top off our glasses. World of Hard 20 podcast presents episode one of our Lot 27 scenario. Remember, write in and let me know how you like it. Oh, I know how I like it. Yeah. He doesn't want to hear you the whole time, though. <laughs> Everybody want to hear me. Khan, is that you? Are, are Did you fill in for Agent Kimura? This is Agent Khan now. We're going to be doing things a little different. Agent <laughs> Orange Khan. <laughs> so how's my brother's been? Are you... Yeah, 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 doing well. Feel like I just talked to you. Actually, yeah, I know. We I just we uh, talked God. two or three times this week. Holy shit! I talked to Listeners, you more now. Listeners must know that the handler is excited about yeah. about uh, doing this little uh, little thing we call DG. Yeah, I, I have to say, and I I think I'd mentioned on the texts that I uh, I feel giddy about running this one. I don't know. It's the just dude it's, picks were awesome. Yeah, I keep it down. I, I try to pixelate it and extend it as much as possible. But uh, <laughs> but it's been a while since I felt this way, even doing a homebrew. I just I get that feeling. I think the last time I probably felt this way was uh, for sweetness when you guys were doing sweetness because yeah. it had been a while since we had shotgunned through something and just hit the ground running. So. Yeah, it's it's definitely more fun to play in that way where you're not, you know, got, you don't have seven whole days in between episodes to to play the next thing. You just barrel through. That might be something to do with it, actually, because I think that uh, when we record Convergence, we're doing an hour a week. Sometimes we'll do two, uh, but for the most part, we stretch it out over the over an hour and then continue continue. When we get together like this, we run it from start to finish. And so I've got to know all this stuff and, and try to can decide what you guys are going to do and how to make arrangements for that. And you guys always <laughs> make a, a far right turn well off the page of what I thought you guys would do. So. You don't have a week to plan how to kill us. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. No, no. You know, it's like sometimes you will see something like uh guest specialist Sarah Harper standing at the end of the hallway. I'm like, okay, I got all week to plan how this is going to go down. Now I got like 10 minutes until the the video renders and then we start up the next session immediately. So it makes it a little more fun. 
Tone, how you doing? You excited? Ready? To, ready I to am get doing well. Going? I am excited. Good. There's I'm all kinds on. of good things going on. Um, I'm looking forward to this. I have been looking forward to it all week. As a matter of fact, I told everybody, pretend that I'm not even here. Well, you're married. That shouldn't be a problem unless they need money or something repaired. And that always seems to be the thing on the weekends. Or there's money a spider. <laughs> or there's a spider. Everybody goes into paralysis when they see one of those things. Even my son, Mr. Not Afraid of Everything, 17-year-old dude, now is over here fighting. Usually his mom finds it and she yells for me. And I'm like, well, your son's right there. Why don't you have him help you? What? That wasn't her yelling. That was him. Yeah, really. Yeah, the high-pitched squeal. <laughs> what do you think about grown men that are afraid of spiders, Ryder? Huh? <laughs> I have no comment. I myself can tangibly relate to that phobia. <laughs> so let yeah, me lead us almost, in. Let, let me, let me divert right, yeah. this conversation and lead us in, okay? All Enough right. Enough talk. Greetings, fellow slingers. Welcome back to Roll the Hard 20 Podcast. It is I, your trusted handler, Brian, and with me, my hard slingers of yore. All right. Hail, hail. Welcome to the fray. Our Delta Green homebrew scenario, lot 27. So when we last left off, it was a pretty harrowing experience getting out of Groversville. Agent Adesso, oh. you've been home for about three weeks. Last time when you took off to actually do that particular operation you and sauna were just starting to try to to work things out how has it been over the course of those three weeks things have improved because uh, adesso proposed to her and she said yes and she's now in the midst of planning a, a big wedding where everybody can come out from uh, she's from norway so they're going to come out from norway and we're going to do a big wedding and uh, we're arguing currently over whether or not we should do a reception here in the States and then do another one in Norway so that everybody doesn't have to fly. So we're, well, that's what our current argument is, but she's quite happy. She's feeling better and more secure. Uh, Adesso's feeling a little bit better himself because he really needed to recover some sanity points and didn't want to burn her bond. So Adesso, knowing that the plans for the wedding are being worked out between you and your betrothed, your mind occasionally goes back and forth between the operations that you've gone on. In fact, at one point you had removed that storage box that you had hidden behind the washing machine, created a false bottom in one of the drawers of the desk in your personal office. And you find yourself occasionally, I mean, occasionally by almost every other night, finding an excuse to go into that office while everybody else is asleep, gently closing the door, snapping on the desk lamp, and pulling out that box, looking again at the audio tapes of Montgomery Green. You look at the cube with the weird ACLO writings on it. You look at the incisors from what happened up there in the Wasatch Mountains. You, you just almost toy with these things back and forth and back and forth and then your fingers wrap around a test tube of sorts that's capped off at one end and inside as you bring it up and hold it in front of your desk lamp you see this purple ooze kind of slide back and forth from one end of the test tube to the other almost of its own volition when you see these things 
How does that make you feel inside to know you still have these things in your possession? Makes me feel better that it wasn't a lie, that I'm not going insane. Those things did happen. I did see what I saw and I was able to put an end to it. I helped other people that the bad things that I did are now justified by the fact that that greater bad has been stymied, has been stopped, has been halted for now. It's all I can do. And that's all any of the agents that work in this field for a duration, a lengthy duration can do because eventually the job will get you. Yep. I mean, he feels bad about shooting Sheriff Oakley, but he didn't see any other way out of it. The guy was just doing his job. Maybe he was an asshole about it, but still it bothers him. It bothers him a lot. But looking at that purple sludge, things had to be done. You know, it's amazing that certain people that in other circumstances would be on your side eventually become an obstacle to you getting across the goal line and you have to take them out. Agent Ichimaru Kimura. Once again in the Bay Area, you've managed to clean up your warehouse that belonged to your family for generations. You relish in seeing the sunrise, knowing that as you do see it rise, you know that the cost has been you've been up all night long. And it's not predicated so much on lunar cycles, it's more predicated on mood. How does your mood affect your day in and day out in the evenings? Well, it really just depends on what happens during the day. If the day goes smoothly or the day goes rough, I can manage. But one person cutting me off or one person doing something, giving me a, <laughs> a, a an, an evil eye or saying something a little bit wrong inflection that can that can send me off <laughs> and each one of the things that comes into sharp clarity is a night just a few weeks ago an abandoned farmhouse just outside of groversville and the stark reminder of what you saw that flipped the switch in you somehow that made it to the point where what you used to be able to meditate through, but you used to be able to breathe out, exhale away from you, this, this angst and anger has really flipped something inside you, Onisan, making you feel this way almost towards everybody where solitude has been something that you crave at a necessity more than just out of a desire. Indeed, I have to, when I, on that fateful night, when I lost the rest of my sanity, that broke my hold that I had on my own internal struggle with, let's just say the beast within. And when there's nothing holding that back, that's what you're going to see. So in these past few weeks, I have spent time reading and going over things that were once familiar to me when I was a child, you know, and even, even things like old family books and old family photo albums, whatever didn't get burned. I look through and I'm trying to establish the person that 
Ichi is, not once was, still is. And hopefully building up these these walls again around that feralness that's inside of us. You know, the old saying of, you know, we each have two wolves inside of us. One is good, one is bad, and the one who survives is the one you feed the most. So I'm trying to starve out that feral side and bring back each to at least to a fraction of who he was. Well, that's very interesting, your take on both of you agents, your take on how life has been over the past couple of weeks. And as always, when your backstories are compelling enough, I like to hand out the gold doubloons. Oh, All yeah. Right. One for each like and one for Adesso. <laughs> <laughs> each of you and yeah. Adesso you. <laughs> so mark that down. Oh, yeah. Day one, May 14th, Saturday, 1.30 a.m. So it's one of those evenings, Agent Odessa, when you're sitting at your desk and your cell phone begins to vibrate. He answers it. Odessa. Polly, I need you to book a ticket and get to LaGuardia. I need you there by 11 a.m. All right, I'm on it. Any more detail? Negative. All right. I'm on it. He hangs up the phone and opens up the computer and books himself a ticket. Each, as you pace back and forth in your loft, looking out at the water in front of you, your phone begins to vibrate on the counter behind you, still tucked in your jacket pocket right next to your shirt and your pants and your underwear. I walk over to the phone, let it ring a time or two, and then pick it up. Each. Speaking. I know I'm not keeping you from anything, and I hate to be the one to tell you it's time again, but I need you. I need you to book an airline ticket to LaGuardia. I need you there by 11 a.m. this morning. Consider it done. I'll call you when you get there. Phone goes quiet. The both of you make your arrangements to get your tickets. By 11 o'clock, you guys land at LaGuardia Airport in New York. As each of you get off your individual planes and walk up the jetways that disembark you from your respective flights, you each receive a simple text. Curbside pickup, Delta. Each of you, although scattered across the airport gates, negotiate the hustle and bustle of the congested airport as you make your way towards your destination. The exiting glass doors, your only partition between peace and your mission, slide open and the sound of airport traffic assails your ears. It takes you no more than a moment before you clock the windowless white panel van parked against the curb with an unusual green triangle on the right rear quarter panel. And standing next to the open sliding door is Louis Makamura. As you cross towards the van, he notices you, Adesso, and you see a broad smile span his face from cheek to cheek. And he walks up to you, Polly. 
Agent Adesso, it has been a long time. How have you been, my friend? It has been a long time, Akamar. It is very good to see you. I am glad you are doing well. Well, where is each? Is, is he not with you? Usually, you two. But then as he's trying to articulate what to say, each, you come through those same glass doors and see Agent Adesso and Agent Makamura warmly welcoming each other. Ichi, look at how good, you look so good, my brother. How, how have you been? I've been doing well. I've been doing a lot of uh, reflecting and going back to old childhood memories. It's almost like I can still feel a part of the family of them with me. You know, I had half expected you to be here, uh, especially when our friend had asked me to bring a certain item with me. I was reticent to do so, but uh, let's hope that all that business is behind us now. Barely a problem. Well, that is good. Makamura then steps back and lets you see Adesso and give the two of you a moment. Each. Compadre, good to see you. And you as well. I hear there's some uh, developing news on your side. Oh, yes. You're going to make the wedding, I hope. Uh, shouldn't be a problem. Depends on 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 uh, when and where it is. Well, I'll I'll do my best to uh, make sure that it's easy for you to get there. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna it's really improved relationships between Santa and I. Now legitimize my three kids, so you know how it is. <laughs> uh, because of without this, they would not have had a father. <laughs> there is that true. <laughs> very very true. It's funny how the golden ring binds harder than steel shackles the shackle of your bond very much so very much so and how have you been i know that you've had a couple restless nights things are going well much excellent. more improved i'm sleeping more excellent that means what two hours a night now i did say more <laughs> well looks like the, this van here is waiting for us i assume yeah, this is back in the saddle. As Makabura gestures towards the inside of the van, you see that the front half is partitioned from the back half, and you already have a driver sitting behind the wheel. You notice that the upholstered interior of the cargo space has got four soft chairs that all surround a low table that's against the driver's side paneling, and on that table is an open laptop, the screen still dark. Makamura gets inside and takes a seat closest to the wall, waiting for the two of you to get in and close the door. By the way, each do you, do you have your katana with you? What do you have with you? What have you well, what have you gentlemen brought with you? I should say well, as we, far as compliments are concerned. We can put things through carry-on luggage. So Odessa would have definitely put in his pistol and not declared it. Because he still has his FBI credentials. Oh, we still have the FBI credentials. Wouldn't need to put it through. Uh, wouldn't need to put it through carry-on luggage. Just flash those and get on the plane with it on you. So he would have his Delta Elite and his two reloads. Now, your knife, flashlight. Is Adesso playing the odds that the identification will never be checked or won't be followed up too closely? Yes. Okay. Because I mean, they are real FBI credentials. The problem will be to verify it. 
but well, if, outside of game, the, the process of verifying FBI credentials are almost impossible, especially for a normal civilian. You'd have and, to know exactly who to call. Yeah, but with the heightened state that the world is in, it only takes one of these individuals that works the security checkpoint who has a bug up his ass to maybe mm -hmm. make that extended effort and make those calls. So you could also just say that Delta Green had that guy sick today and they gave him the, the, the fill in, you know? Yeah. Well, if anybody Tony wanted through. to check, I'd give him Heisenberg's number. <laughs> well, that might come into play. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that if we couldn't get through with our credentials that Ichi put in um, check luggage, put, put, he put it in check luggage with uh, some other martial arts equipment um, since each does still have the credentials of working at the, I guess, family dojo now. Uh, any questions that would be asked would be he was going to meet some students, put on displays of weaponry and, and things like that. So that would anyone anyone who would notice, though, would notice a very nice functional katana amidst a lot of the more ceremonial practice fake ones. Very good. I just want to make sure you guys had something with you. Yeah. Yes. So as Makamura sits in his chair and gestures towards the two of you to take the other seats. He pulls the door closed. And as soon as the door closes, you feel the van jounce as it pulls away from the curb. Almost immediately, the laptop wakes up and you see the familiar face of Heisenberg. Heisenberg, good to see you. Good to see the three of you. Did you know that hypergeometry has its roots in magic? To the uninitiated, the fabric that tears when it's used seems mystical and fleeting. They don't think about the ramifications of such a tearing, nor its long-term effects. For this opera, and any opera moving forward, you three will be assigned to Oscar Cell. As such, you'll be assigned a new moniker to address each other as. Agent Kimura, you will be known as Okami. Agent Adesso, you will be known as Odysseus. Makamura, you will be known as Akam. Moving forward, you're to address each other as such. Least it gets out your real identity. We gotta start taking precautions, gentlemen. Now, onto the matter at hand. There's a museum in Vienna, Austria. It's called the Kunsthistorische Museum. And in this museum, they have a particular collection. Acquired through the years, it revolves around artifacts and relics whose connotations imply otherworldly and unnatural forces at work. Have any of you ever heard of the artifact known as Spiritus Demos? I can't say that I have. It sounds like something uh, highly Catholic, but uh, I must confess ignorance. I too uh, don't know what this means. Legends describe it as a kind of hex snare made of a crystallized rock of transparent nature and unknown origin, possibly celestial. It's about 18 inches tall with a jagged diameter of about 10 inches. 
but it's what the Hex Snare has trapped within that is of our concern. Is it a reliquary? I'm going to describe it for you right now. <laughs> Thank you, Adesso. From an old report which dates to the 17th century, we're led to believe that sealed within this rock is said to be a kind of demonic entity, the name of which is unknown, the date and location of where it derived from is unknown, and unreliable reports have described it as having a soft red glow about it. Investigations through the years report the artifact to be a fake, but that didn't stop the purchase of it several decades ago from an undisclosed vendor for an undisclosed price. It was this museum's curator, one Theo Mueller, who bought the artifact sight unseen. And that is how the artifact had remained for decades, sight unseen. It's been reported that the curator, Muller, recently and unexpectedly died in the museum's storage room from what the locals are calling a heart attack. His death left a void in the museum's hierarchy, and as a result, a new archivist, Niles Werner, had taken over the curatorial department concerning artifacts and relics, and he began to take inventory. After several days, he came to the conclusion that the museum had used a great deal of its wealth and resources to procure items that had not been confirmed as being legitimized. The new curator's report described the hex snare among many other sequestered items as unremarkable and has only ever taken up space on a shelf. In an effort to, so he said, recoup as much of the lost funds, the curator implemented a museum-wide catalog of all procurements now under his purview and prepared the items to be auctioned off. The curator sent out invitations to a select few buyers, giving them a chance to possess these extra pieces. They were invited to a nondescript auction house in Midtown at 20 Rockefeller Plaza in New York on Friday, May 13th. That was last night. The item of this particular interest to the agency is labeled lot number 27. You should be aware that the auction only consisted of 26 lots. From what we know of this, Adesso, it's said to contain the essence of an evil entity frozen in time and space and held in stasis. What is it that you want us to do with this? I assume procure it, but bring it back, destroy it. How does one destroy something that exists within time, space? It is a reliquary, but, you know, a very, very long trip over certain parts of the Pacific. Uh, assuming this doesn't float would solve the problem. Well, my concern is it may not be a reliquary as much as a phylactery. Oh, and I am concerned about that. And I, can, for what can you, you explain said, what a phylactery is to Makamura? I don't think he knows. <laughs> Oh, I know just fine each. <laughs> well, just for the for the <laughs> listeners then. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the layman, and in layman's terms, a phylactery is able to house the essence of something that defies the ability to die. And as long as the phylactery survives, this entity can always be reconstituted. That's our best assertion of what this is. 
but I'm not even 100% certain that the rock is that item as much as whatever is contained in it because it was originally labeled as a hex snare, meaning it was designed to capture something, not preserve it. So this isn't like one of those mosquitoes trapped in amber that are long dead. This is something that potentially is still alive in there. Maybe that's what the red glow is. Like I said, it's been sight unseen for decades. Even after the original curator, Theo Muller, died, nobody yet had seen it. It wasn't until this other curator, Niles Werner, came on the scene that people actually started seeing some of these items, and even then it was a close-knit circle. Have they delivered the lots to the purchasers yet? The lots were delivered yesterday. The auction was held last night. Who was the person that was fortunate enough to get lot 27? Well, my concern is that it doesn't show up on the auction house. It looks as though there were three auctions that were held yesterday, and I can't make heads or tails of which one this may have been part of. But there is the something that I need to inform you three about. And this is where things get a little dicey. You were not the first team sent to handle this op. The info that's been passed on to me is as follows. November Cell, a four-member team, arrived at the auction house Friday evening and then went dark. They have yet to be heard from. Their mission parameters were the same as yours. Procure lot 27 at the auction house either before the auction's opening or after the auction culminated. You three are to pick up where Ncell left off, see if you can determine who the buyers are, where they went after they left the auction, and what they plan to do with the artifact. Finding the members of November Cell is a low secondary priority. They're not experts, but they're not charities either. Unfortunately, I think their handler didn't know all the specifics of what he was sending his team in to deal with, and the ramifications of his miscalculation are yet to be determined, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he becomes the next mission. Mm -hmm. During the culmination of what he's saying, the van has stopped against a curb. I can't stress this enough to you three. Whoever took this whatever they want with this hex snare i'm sure it's not just to occupy somebody's mantle if somebody knows this thing exists it's a high probability that they're part of a league that wants to release it now whether it's real or fake we can't take the chance i'm going to leave my calm open the whole time do not hesitate to get in touch with me. Understood. Are there any questions? Is there any information on what happened to the November cell other than going dark? They're just, they went in, they arrived, and then they went dark. I know they're a low priority, but any reports of what happened before they lost contact? From the report that I got from their handler, who's been removed from the case, their last report says that they were on site at the auction house and were preparing to go in That's what were they we equipped have. with were they a surveillance force or were they a elimination force 
I don't know what their standing orders were, but they went in with weapons. Most likely, their orders were to take possession of the item, no matter the cost. Understood. Understood. Well, I say we go to the auction house. Is there any information on who maybe was running this this uh, auction? Is there a name we can use to start instead of just going in there and walking around like a bunch of babes in the woods? I don't see anything. The only auction that I see had 26 lots to it. Um, that's the lowest one there. Another one had 52 lots. Another one had, looks like, 49 lots. I can't see... You the name of who was auctioning off those lots? His name is Gregory James. He was the auctioneer for one of the lots during the evening and one of them during the day. Looks like that's who we talked to first, I would say, Odysseus. Sounds good. Hokum. Uh, that, where would we Makamura. find... We don't all Akum. look alike. <laughs> that is a racist, Odessa. I am Akam. <laughs> okay. He is Okami. Okami. Why did, all right, why did, Okami. Well, why did here's Akum my... turn into Arnie just then? <laughs> there we go. Don't question me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I am Akam. <laughs> well, we don't know if this guy's the actual one who did our auction, or the auction we're interested in. If not, he'll know who is. Hopefully. All right, let's go find him. Do we have a location on this guy? Well, you guys are already curbside at 20 Rockefeller Plaza. Well, all right then. And as you exit the van onto the sidewalk in the middle of Hell's Kitchen, the three of you stand there and you watch as the driver pulls away and parks across the street. Seems to be taking up an overwatch position for the three of you. Uh, just out of curiosity, Occam, do you happen to know if our driver's been read in, or is he just doing a job? Uh, I don't know, Agent Odessa. Odysseus. <laughs> this is going to get hard. I don't know, Agent Odysseus. Uh, I got to the van just minutes before you. Uh, this is the first reading that I have had as well. Uh, but the fact is that with the little green triangle on the quarter panel, I believe that he is on our side. Well, I believe he's on our side too. I just want to know how much he knows. And um, well, if things go south and we need to call in some support, maybe he's an asset. Maybe he's just a service. You know what? I'm going to call Heisenberg and just simply ask. I want to know how, how secure our retreating route is if we need to leave quickly. We're in the Big Apple. I can hail a cab. I still know yeah, how to maybe. do that old school stuff instead of the Uber. <laughs> uh, well, Odessa will just drop back real quick and give a call to um, Heisenberg. Just This will only take a second. Call us Heisenberg. Go ahead, Odysseus. Real quick, our driver, is he read in or is he just providing a service? He's only partially read in to know to take you gentlemen where you need to go and to stay close by. If you need to address him, address him as Osprey. Yeah. Is he, uh, if we would need covering fire or a quick retreat from where we are, would he be able to provide such? He's a very good driver. He's a manageable marksman. 
He's only been in the field a short time. He was recently bumped up from Papa Cell. Got it. So, so. if he were to see something, oh, what I really want to know is he'd been screened. Is he expecting some of the things that we've seen in the past and can handle it if he does encounter such a thing? His file is partially sealed from me, but I would keep as much information from him as possible. Okay. All righty. Thank you, sir. Out. A seven-story building located in the Chelsea neighborhood of Manhattan, whose features display a grand limestone and bronze exterior, is 20 Rockefeller Plaza. You can see what can best be described as a post-industrial steel and glass canopy. You see murals along the outside of the walls, along with mosaics. And sitting a few feet in front of the door, on a slab of unadorned concrete, stands a 10-foot-tall rustic arachnid, poised to attack yet frozen in time. The doors leading into the building await you. So is there a reception in here or anything like that? Yeah, as you as you pass through the double doors, you see that the first floor seems to cater to a lobby. You see a cocktail bar off to one side. You see a hallway with restrooms and another hallway with closed doors that are adorned with placards denoting the purpose of those rooms behind those doors. And up front and center, you see a dark wooden desk with a young woman behind it her dark hair in a loose knot behind her, and her deep blue vest and pants that contrast her white shirt beneath. She sees the three of you walk in, and she stops momentarily, and she looks up and says, May I help you, gentlemen? Um, yes, just one moment, please, ma'am. And I'll look to Agent Odysseus. Do we go in with the... And speaking under my voice, so Makamura can hear, but no one else can. Do we go in as... Federal agents? Do we go in as people wanting to speak with Mr. Gregory James, the auctioneer? What's our play here? Do it up, Adesso. <laughs> this to be information we should be able to easily get. I guess I would save the we're FBI agents until we encounter some resistance. We'll go up to the receptionist and uh, ask her, hey. Well, she asked you, may I help you, gentlemen? Yes, looking for Gregory James. Uh, do you have an appointment with Mr. James? No, no, we don't. Um, this is actually kind of a surprise. Unfortunately, we missed the auction that was held yesterday, and we just had a couple questions for him about some pieces. Uh, we really wanted to collect them. Unfortunately, we couldn't get our flight in to connect. We were coming from quite a long distance, and was hoping to maybe track down some information about some of the purchasers of some lots. We held three auctions yesterday. Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, let me go ahead and, and see if Mr. James is available, please. And, and Miss, and if it helps, uh, we're looking for one of the smaller lots, uh, one of the smaller auctions. It wasn't one of the larger ones. I believe it had 26 or 27 items. Well, yeah, and we had we had three auctions yesterday. Let me uh, let me just make a call real quick and, and see what Mr. James, if he's available. And so she dials a number and she kind of turns at a half cant away from you. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. And she hangs up the phone and she looks at the three of you and says, uh, Mr. James says he has an appointment available next Wednesday at noon. Well, should I pencil you in? 
Um, we would really, really appreciate it if we could see him today because time is of the essence. No, not yet. Badger tone. <laughs> not badger. Not yet. <laughs> Tell us you're already badger. No first. Looking <laughs> Marshall right here. Oh, no, it's cold well. Never mind. Yeah. Let's get the no first before we proceed with that. We just we, is there any way we could see here, him today? Uh, time uh, is of the essence. From what Mr. James has said, it looks like his schedule is pretty filled up until the rest of the day. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, is there something I can help you with, possibly? Well, ma'am, I was hoping to do this the easy way, but then he takes out his credentials and <laughs> looks at the other guys and nods. We need to talk to Mr. James now. And she just freezes, like, mm-hmm. almost as though feeling guilty just through mm-hmm. you showing her your credentials. Mm-hmm. Not that she's done anything wrong. It's just whenever lights come on behind you when you're driving, even though you may not be breaking the law in the car, the cop may be passing you by your heart kind of skips a beat and she's mm-hmm. she tries to regain her composure and she's uh yeah um you know he, he's on he's on the he's on the third floor agents um just just take the elevator it's the only office on that floor excellent thank you very much and where are the elevators oh to the to the left all the way in the back and you see that this red carpet leads to these two golden elevator doors gotcha and i'm sorry what was your name again takes out a notepad and a pen uh patricia patricia gotcha and how is that last name uh la few spell that please l a f e a u thank you miss la few uh i hope you're not going on break anytime soon I, 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 I have nothing to do with this. No, no, no. That's oh. not what I'm asking. Just in case we have some follow-up questions or need some documents, paperwork, you're, you're still going to be here, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, do us a favor. Don't call up to Mr. James. We'll, we'd like to talk to him. Ms. LeFew, <laughs> I have a question for you as well. What does a 10 foot steel spider cost nowadays? well i'm gonna exercise my constitutional rights by not saying anything further because it might incriminate me with the federal assholes your lawyer would be very (laughs) proud of you you stick to that okay don't say another word yeah you stick to that whitey And your name is Miss LeFoe, if it's spelled that way. You dumb bitch. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, Okay, well. All right, let's go to the elevators and head on up. You want me to wait down there with her while you go up and you can send me a text when you make it to the door? So I'll make sure that nobody gives him a call. Um, That's a good idea. If it matters or not, I can do that. Um, also, gather up any information that she may have, any documents you have on the lot, the lot that we're looking for, the purchasers, the auctioner, where it went, anything that she can give you. Well, I'm just waiting for you to get up there so she doesn't call him and give you a, head, right. give him give a heads, him a heads up. up. So I'm not going to be sticking around and splitting the group up. I just want to. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll do that. I'm going to wait here while my while my uh, friends Sounds like up. a plan. You know, uh Agent Okami, I will stay down here and make sure she doesn't do anything funny if you want to join Odysseus. I believe that your 
two working together is much stronger than me just being an observer. That works. Oh, excellent. Uh, you know what? That's very kind of you. On the way out, I'll go get you one of those coffees at the bar there. Oh, you're too kind. <laughs> I'll uh, quickly follow Agent Odysseus, and uh, we'll hit the elevator going up. Can you take the elevator up to the third floor? Soft music. Almost negligible. The doors open very quietly onto a dark hallway that's that's softly lit with these sconce lights that are over paintings and, and charcoal brushings and over vases on pedestals. And the hallway goes on for about 40 feet and then dead ends at a pair of dark wood double doors. Hmm. Well, look at that. I mean, besides being distracted, Agent Odysseus, from an original Didier they have on the wall there. Oh, um, that was a fine example of some artwork. <laughs> well, I, I think he had nothing to do with that spider out front, though. Probably As you guys are walking along, make a alertness check. Alertness. Okay. Okay. 22. Success. Critical success. Okay, um, 83, uh, near critical failure. I am completely <laughs> clueless. You are clueless. Agent Okami, as you're walking down the hallway, one of the drawings catches your attention and you look at it. And just the field of depth and the perspective just seems off. And it almost gives you like a, a knotted feeling in your stomach. All right, what do I need to roll to lose sanity here? You do need oh, to make boy. a sanity check. <laughs> just I succeeded, so I get to lose sanity. And so eat just each? Just him. I'm the only one that noticed Because he's the only You're one, the one, only that, noticed one it. that noticed <laughs> The penalty for success. <laughs> you win, you lose. <laughs> okay, um, 52 over 50. You take one point of sanity damage as this, you become revolted by this picture and as you force your eyes away you can't help but look at the maker's mark down at the lower right corner and it says eugene the wise oh okay does this name i mean obviously i'm revolted by the ai art that they created but does eugene the wise <laughs> um does eugene the wise uh, name mean anything should i roll a roll something for that can you make an art check I could if I had a percentage there, but it says zero percent. So apparently, uh, did you yeah, ever study art in school? <laughs> actually, <you're> no. <laughs> completely unfamiliar with this uh, with this art, okay, or will, any art um, for that matter. So. I will, I will motion to Agent Odysseus. Now, when you, you guys are alone, you can still confer sure. to each other by your names. It's yeah. only when you're out in public, so nobody can say, oh, that's the guy, and, and he called him Odesso, okay. and, and they could start stitching a backstory to who the person really is. It's easier oh, okay. to use that when you're around other people. So. Okay. Uh, Polly, um, just warning you, do not look too deep into that picture. There's something definitely hyper-artistic about it, should should I say. And I would assume maybe other images in the hallway are as well, but I am not at this point ready to look at this art. <laughs> Got it. You okay, I, man? You all right? Yeah, you yes. Uh, 
no, I'm actually fine. This was nothing compared to the last time. So, um, but we're definitely on the right track. Now, each, do you have your katana with you or maybe a wakasashi or something? I have, I have it with me in a tube, like a carrying tube, like an architect would carry blueprints. Got it. Now, yeah. I don't, it, now I was originally, I was going to leave it in the van because I didn't think we would need it. Um, is that something that I could have done back then, Ryder? Because I still have my, my uh, Tonto on me and all that stuff, but I don't want to look too odd carrying around a katana in, you know, and I was thinking later of how to, how to avoid that in the future, but. Well, I, it would look odd. You're carrying blueprints and you're a federal agent because now we've revealed it. But on the other hand, it may have some other, um, I, th I think if you they would put it over it one is. shoulder and then like, yeah, we're here to, we're looking for an auction. We're looking for recovery of things that kind of blends in like, yeah, he's carrying a briefcase. He's carrying. Is yeah. it a tube? Like one of the, the ornate tubes that has like a strap across it. Like exactly what I'm thinking is, is what they carry blueprints in. It's like a, a hardened tube with like caps and claps at the end. It has like the thing that you throw around your neck if you want yeah. to. So like national treasure, like cage had when he had the declaration of independence in it. I guess yeah. I never saw it, but it's it like a, yeah. Like uh, I was thinking like in the future, getting some sort of a weapon that's it may be too fancy, but we got all these fucking cool guns and shit, but like something that's like Kurgan had, that's like a snap together kind of thing that I can carry in a smaller, you know, pool cue sized, you know, how they have pool cues that you can carry around. Yeah. Something like that. So maybe it's not as durable as a katana, but it's a good combat thing that, you know. Something three feet long. You could always have a sword cane. <laughs> sword cane's fantastic. Or just, I have it in a, in a case like I do now. And it's not like I'm going to be whipping it out anytime soon. Yeah, just I would imagine it's probably in a tube on your back. My only thing is whether or not you took it with you. Would you have well, taken I would it? Well, I would have I would have left it in the car knowing that the person was there cuz I have my small, you know, keeper of honor blade on me. Okay, then um, let's just say that it stayed in the car. Okay, okay, good. And if you want to take it out next time, then say no, you're going to bring it. Yeah, I know you're going to leave it, but we'll just make the understanding that you'll leave it with you every time until you say, okay, I'm going to take it out of the van and bring it in with me to this facility or that facility. Gotcha. Sounds good. Okay. All right. So going back in game, Odysseus will check his pistol and ensure that it's rounds chambered and uh, the thumb safety is on. But, um, you know, obviously just get it ready because there's obviously something more to what we're seeing here. He checks on each to make sure he's okay. Yeah. All right. We want to proceed. We're good. Okay, let's um, not look at any paintings. So, yeah, two two knocks, and then I'm going to open the door. I'm not expecting a response. I'm just knock, knock, and then open. As you open the door, you see a man in his late 60s. A ring of white hair haloing his wrinkled head sits behind an elegant desk formed of a gnarled tree branch with the top made of some kind of crystal glass. His piercing blue eyes and wiry brows follow you as you enter. His complexion drains at the sight of the two of you, and he says, Hello, gentlemen. How may I be of assistance? Ah, Miss James. This is uh, Agent Okami, and I'm Agent Odysseus. 
We're from the FBI. We have some questions about a yes, lot yes. of goods that you stole. Sold. Sold. <laughs> I am sorry. Did you just tell me that I stole something? My mistake. What I meant to say was sold. There were some sold. items that were sold at a particular auction that are of interest to us. Well, I'm afraid that I'll have to get back to you on that next session. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Legend describes it as a kind of hex snare <clears throat> made of a Legend. <laughs> I almost spit that. <laughs> I almost spit that out. <laughs> oh, there's our Sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> Hang on there's a, a mute button there, <laughs> Yeah, there we go. Hold on a second. Okay. I'm sorry. It's all right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Legend. <laughs> Thank you for joining us once again on Roll the Hard 20 Podcast. Remember, you can find us and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora Radio, iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcasts, and Audible. And if you like what you're listening to, be sure to leave us that five-star rating and review. Don't forget about our YouTube channel at Roll the Hard 20. So if you're into watching and you want to help support this show, then head on over and hit that subscribe button. It really does help the show out. We can also be found in the wild on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so don't forget to look for us there and check us out. You can also contact the show directly at RollTheHard20Podcast at gmail.com or head on over to the website at RollTheHard20Podcast.com where you can download the current show directly, pick and choose past shows from our archives, or view our galleries. We've got a lot of stuff posted over there, so check us out. And finally... Join us on our Patreon at patreon.com slash rollthehard20podcast where you can become a hard slinger and pick up swag. So, until next time, keep your dice warm and your glass topped off as you roll those hard 20s.